Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Missing out on the fun today is my regular co-host, Stephanie Hupka, who is the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach. And of course, we also have Helena Hodges, uh, the Vice President of Finance and Operations as our producer. Now for this episode, we are interviewing Julian Treasure. Welcome, Julian. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Now, before we jump into our topic of how to speak so that people want to listen, can you share a little bit about your background for those listeners or viewers who may not be familiar with you? Sure. Uh, well, I was um, I started my career in advertising, marketing, and launched my own business in the UK. And that was a company producing what we call customer magazines. I think um, in the US, you call them custom magazines. Uh, so this is for big brands. It's beautiful magazines about the market or anything their customers might like to know, really. And uh, I grew that over 15 years, sold it in the early part of this century, and then decided to unify the two parts of me. One part of me had been very satisfied by that, and that's understanding marketing, communication, brands, and so forth. But the other part of me was a musician. So I've been a musician from a very young age. And so by day I was doing that job and many evenings I was playing music. And when uh, musicians listen to the world in a slightly different way to non-musicians, actually, if you're playing in a band or an orchestra, you have to develop a, a kind of multi-track, very attentive listening. You have to listen to all the other players. Otherwise, you're not doing a very good job. So I had that multi-track attentive listening and I was applying it to the world and thinking to myself, do you know what? The world doesn't sound very good. There's a lot of noise. Much of it is being made by the brands that I'm dealing with and many other brands like them, but they're not listening, you know? And it, I, I, I noticed that, mm. you know, if you talk to any of these brands, you say, do you have a brand book? And they say, yes, we have a brand book. Great. How many pages are about sound? None. It's always none. Mm. Almost always. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I sold my magazine business, I launched a company called The Sound Agency, which asks and answers the question, how does your brand sound? And it's a very important aspect now of branding and marketing. It's grown in significance, and there are many brands that now do have uh, a very noticeable Sonic logo. I mean, if I do that, you know, immediately many people will, will think, oh, ne Netflix. So... It, you know, these kind of iconic sounds can be very, very powerful, very valuable. And that's what we do. Uh, and along the way, I wrote a couple of books. Uh, the first one was Sound Business, which is about using sound in business, every aspect of business. It might be the sound in a corporate reception, the sound in a shop or a mall, uh, the sound on the telephone, which is usually disastrous. Uh, many, many aspects of sound. Mm. And uh, I got to do a TED talk. I think the first one was 2009. I'd been going to TED since mm -hmm. 2004. Uh, and I got to do a talk about how powerful sound is 
And that became the first of five successive TED Talks that I gave uh, from 2009 to 2014. Uh, which I think have been collectively seen by like 150 million people now. It's amazing. Um, the yeah. last one was about speaking. Uh, the third one actually was about listening, which I'd also like to talk about today to this audience. And um, then I wrote a second book called How to Be Heard, which is all about the skills of speaking and listening. This all really came about because it occurred to me the reason many brands are making terrible sound is because they don't listen. The reason they don't listen is because that's what you get. If you put a bunch of people who don't listen together in an organization, you get an organization that doesn't listen. And that is the case. Unfortunately, there's been research on this about organizational listening. And to summarize the research, it's abject. Most organizations put very little time or effort into listening into perceiving inbound communication. You know, if you say corporate communication, everybody immediately thinks of PR, advertising, and so forth, social media. It's all outbound. It's talking, not listening. Yeah. So um, there is a big job to do here in getting both people and organizations to listen. And that's really my purpose on this planet now. So there's a short history that brings us up to date. <laughs> well, I love that. And and I love it. And I was going to ask, you know, how to speak so people will listen. I, the first step is probably listening. <laughs> In my so. previous life, um, I was with the FBI and uh, one of my sister units was the crisis negotiation team. And I like to share with folks that I think listening is the number one skill for being human. It's a life or death skill. And then I used that, uh, that unit as an example because they would bring law enforcement officers all over the world in for training and teach them how to deal with crisis situations like terrorists, um, uh, hostage takers, that kind of thing. And they would spend, at least when I was there many years ago, they would spend the entire first day teaching people how to listen. And that's how important that skill is. So I appreciate that you say that. It, 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 it does underpin absolutely everything. It's the, the, the foundational skill. Yeah. And, you know, we're using the word skill here. We teach in school, reading and writing. We do not teach speaking or listening, hardly at all. I mean, you teach it, maybe speaking a bit yeah. more in your country than in mine, a little bit of public speaking, that kind of thing, but fundamentally not. And listening, nil, which is crazy because these are yeah. primal skills. You know, we've been using complex yes. language for possibly 200,000 years. Writing was only invented 5,000 years ago at the most. So for the vast majority of human history, you know, we've been uh, communicating everything we need to communicate in voice and through the ears. And that's changed radically. You know, it's been really elbowed aside in the last 50 years, particularly since we invented email. I'm not a huge fan of mm. email. Uh, you know, if you no. write down the job spec of many, many people uh, who are working in offices around the world, I think you can probably cut it down to two words, answer email. That's what most people do most mm. of the time. They're driven by it. And there's mm. so much noise in that system. And, you know, when yeah. I was working uh, 40 years ago, uh, you know, you'd send letters to people. 
or you'd phone them up and you'd expect an answer to a letter in a week. Well, now there's this immediacy we expect, you know, if somebody hasn't responded to an email in five minutes, what's going on? How dare they? <laughs> so there's the pressure always <laughs> yeah. to, to be assimilating this text-based input. And it's got obviously much, much wider with SMS, text messages and so forth, with social media, with instant messaging, all very text-based. And particularly for young people, uh, many of whom feel much more comfortable communicating in text than they do in voice, you know, asking somebody out, breaking up with somebody, any kind of stress-filled situation oh, like that, they'd far yeah. rather do that at arm's length with a text message than face-to-face -face or on a telephone. So, you know, it's been marginalized to a degree. These skills are fundamental. And I know in the recruitment uh, sphere, you know, the, the, the HR professionals are finding many young people coming to them who can't talk adequately. They, they don't have great vocabulary. They're not great at expressing mm -hmm. themselves or, um, you know, putting their case over. They don't do great interviews for that reason. And certainly that, I mean, that's speaking, uh, listening is even more atrophied. So mm -hmm. these are skills. Listening is a skill and speaking is a skill. These are skills you can master, train in, and they're skills which have massive effects on our outcomes in life. Not much we can do on our own. You know, we need to enroll people. We need to create team. We need to be working with others. And those relationships and that communication is so powerfully done if you're a master of speaking and foundationally of yes. listening as well. And incidentally, very interesting what you said about FBI and hostage negotiation. Um, I talk a lot about the things that get in the way of speaking and listening. I mean, technology is one of them and the fact we don't teach it and, you know, our obsession with uh, communicating through the eyes and the fingers. You know, I think we spend something like 70% of our lives now looking at screens. I believe that is going yeah. to change fairly soon. We, we can talk about that later, but, um, that kind of, um, that, that, uh, loss of this connection really does make that kind of negotiation very, very different, difficult. If you're not a trained person and particularly if you fall into, uh, one of two human frailties, which I think are very much in play here. Um, the, the first is looking good. We all like to look good, but if it's all about looking good, you know, communication is very shallow and it can be quite upsetting to the other people. Yes. And then that's something I see a lot with people who do public speaking, for example, where it becomes about getting affirmation and um, becoming, being popular and giving a great talk and being slapped on the back or applauded. It's not what it's about. It's never about yeah. you. It's about the gift you can give to the people in the audience. But even more so, if there's one thing we like more than being, uh, than looking good, it's being right. And this has become now a kind of addictive uh, social meme. Yeah. Uh, particularly, it's been accelerated by social media where we've now got these silos of people who reinforce one another's opinions and have lost mm. the distinction between facts and opinions altogether. And, you know, facts are facts, opinions, opinions. Um, but, you know, once you start to blur those lines, you get a lot of table thumping and a lot of argumentation. Yeah. I think Harville Hendricks, who's a wonderful counselor and author, said, you can either be right or be in a relationship. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> yes.
And being right, of course, Absolutely. involves making other people wrong. And if we're doing that, it's very difficult to train them, grow them, help them, nourish them and so forth, because we're judgmental. And in hostage negotiation, just as in any difficult situation where you might disagree with somebody, the critical step, absolutely critical step is validation. Validation is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And we can go through that by listening carefully, consciously, reflecting what somebody said. So I heard you say this, is that right? And then validating it. Okay. I don't agree with you, but I can understand why you would think that. It makes sense to me that you would yes. believe that given who you are, where you come from, you know, your experience and so forth. And that is what hostage negotiators do. They all validate. Of course, you're hungry. Let me get some sandwiches sent over. That would make sense. So there's no making wrong. There's no, how dare you take these people hostage? It's about being in that person's world on their island, understanding them and becoming somebody who they can trust. And that is a great way to sell. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to negotiate. It's a great way to lead people as yes. well by validating them, even though they're different. You know, two people can have very different views and both be right. That's something we need mm -hmm. to take on board because making everybody else wrong yeah. and believing you're right all the time is, it's a very lonely place to be. And it's not great for a leader, a trainer, Absolutely. you know, or a talent development uh, professional. And so it's very important to leave that at the door and start to try and yeah. validate and have compassion for other people who are different. Absolutely. Empathy and active listening. Well, and, and uh, I also like how in your TED talk on how to speak so people will listen, you go into the voice and, and being aware of, and when I was watching your TED talk, I, I thought back to listening to the crisis negotiators practice and they would use their late night DJ voice, you know, to get people calm. It was just fascinating seeing the power that the voice can have over um, others. Yes. And the, the key is, again, to be conscious that we're deploying a skill here. The, the human voice I described yes. in that TED talk is as the instrument we all play. It is an instrument. It's an extraordinary instrument. If yes. you start to think about the amazing voices of people who sing, shout, act, whatever it may be, uh, mm. it is incredible. And I'm sure everybody listening to this uh, can do much more with their voice than they ever thought they could. I talk, uh, you know, I yeah. go around the world doing keynotes for organizations and so forth. And very often it'll be a, a room full of hundreds of very senior people. And I say, how many of you use your voice in work in an important way, whether that's public speaking or standing in front of a team or, you know, whatever it might be, media, everybody puts their hand up. Okay. Now, how many of you have had formal vocal training? About six. And you go, what? What is going on, guys? <laughs> if your voice is an important tool for you to use, train it. Go get some professional help. Yes. Get a coach, you know, a singing coach, a drama coach, a speaking coach, a presenting coach, whatever it might be, and work with the person because you're using a tiny fraction. If you're untrained, you're using a tiny fraction of what this incredible instrument can do. You know, you wouldn't go on stage in the Carnegie Hall to uh, play a piano recital having had no lessons whatsoever. It would be madness, wouldn't it? So everybody, even the best yeah. in the world, they have coaches. 
And that's really why they're the best in the world, because they're always working on the extra 1%. On, you know, you can't see your own game. You need somebody else to help you. And these people, you know, proper coaches will help you with breathing, with projection, with diaphragm control, with all that kind of technical stuff, which will allow your voice to be liberated. And in particular, I mean, one little tip I used in, in that TED talk, uh, I think I talked about this was pitch, where we tend to vote, vote for politicians mm -hmm. with deeper voices. And that's because yes. we are genetically programmed to um, associate depth with importance. That's because big things mm -hmm. have deeper voices and you need to be more worried about an elephant than you do about a mouse generally. So it's just self-preservation. <laughs> However, that association is very strong. So we tend to think people with deeper voices are more significant, important, authoritative, whatever it may be. So, you know, if you've got a squeaky little voice up here, you can work on it. And uh, you, anybody can practice yeah. this, you know, put your hand on your sternum, your chest bone and start talking and just really focus on resonating those fingers, on feeling the vibration in your chest and you will start to move your voice down. Not, you know, to a ridiculous artificial yeah. level, but it can really help to give you extra authority in meetings, in conversations, on the phone, wherever it may be. So th th there's kind of little tricks. There are many things in the vocal toolbox I talked about in that talk, many things. The key is to be conscious yes. of what you're doing, to be conscious that you're playing this beautiful instrument and enjoy it, you know, revel in it, have fun with it. Just in the same way that listening, you need to be conscious that you're doing something. You know, listening is work. People often yeah. conflate it with hearing. Hearing is a capability. Mm -mm. Listening is a skill. <laughs> They're different. Yes. You hear everything. When you listen, you select certain things to pay attention to, and then you make them mean something, which is why my definition of listening is making meaning from sound. And we're doing that all the time. Yeah. Quite unconsciously, it gets very exciting if you start to become conscious of the way you do that, of your particular yes. filters, your particular listening, because every human being listens in a different way. And, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest mistakes I come across in business that people make so often is to assume everybody listens like I do. They don't. They all listen differently. Yes. And the moment you get conscious of that and you start ask, asking yourself, what's the listening I'm speaking into? How is this person listening to me? How could I be more effective in my speaking? Then you're going to hit the bullseye more often than not. And as opposed to miss the target altogether, which is what you'll often do if you think everybody listens like you do. They don't. Yes. <clears throat> already so many lessons, right? So empathy, active listening, being fully present, which is big nowadays, um, it, using your voice as an instrument. Uh, what else do you want our listeners and viewers to know about? Well, I think it's a, a joyful position to be in if you're in talent development, if you're dealing face to face with people and helping them to grow. I mean, my whole purpose in life is to grow every day. That's it. And as long as I grow a little bit every day, you know, then you're on the spiral staircase. It may go round and round, but it also goes up. And that's life to me. Mm -hmm. Now that requires humility. And that's very important. Absolutely. People who get senior in organizations tend to have more trouble connecting with humility than perhaps they once did. 
because, you know, one becomes used to people obeying, giving orders, having them obeyed unquestionably, unquestioningly, um, having that kind of respect all the time, being the person who speaks, not the one who listens and so forth. It tends to fuel the ego a little bit. And uh, ego is a big enemy of connection, relationship and communication, of course, because uh, ego is wanting to be loved and admired. And, you know, it's all about me. We need to get away from that. And the, the joy of dealing with people when you're talking about their growth is making a connection that's bigger than that, or that's, that's more compassionate than that. Uh, I love to think of everybody I meet as an opportunity to learn. OTL. Now that's an interesting way to be because it doesn't mean you know less than they do. And it doesn't mean if you're very senior and they're very junior that you're setting them above you in some way, shape or form. It means that you've got the humility to understand that everybody's got something to teach you. It may be how not to do yeah. something easily. You know, very often, <laughs> you know, I, I know people that in my life and I see them and I think, my goodness, that is how I'm never going to be. But I'm learning all the time. I'm learning how that's affected their life and, you know, what has happened to them as a result of being like that. On the flip side of that, though, I know plenty of very senior people, CEOs of big organizations who've had multi-million dollar ideas given to them by the most junior people in their companies, whether they're on a shop floor on a production yeah. line or something. And why don't we try taking that off? Saves $4 million a year next year. You know, that kind of thing. If you're not listening and treating people as an opportunity to learn, then I think you're missing something. And I, I would imagine, particularly in your profession, guys, it's very easy to get into the, I know more than they do. I'm the teacher. It's one-way traffic. I'm going to tell them stuff. Well, it would be much more exciting to make it two-way traffic, perhaps, and listen to them. What do they need? Absolutely. What are their particular, what's their history? I mean, what, what can you learn from them? And maybe you can adapt and next time around, you'll be doing your job that little bit better because you've realized it didn't work for that kind of person so well and it need, needs to be amended slightly. So that, that humility and eagerness to learn uh, absolutely crucial. I talk about the four C's of listening. Um, and the first of those mm -hmm. is, is consciousness, simply being conscious that you're doing something. Listening is work. Unfortunately, it's work. Yeah. And it, it's a skill, but it's work. <laughs> and you need to be conscious that you're doing it. Uh, that means putting everything down very often and giving somebody 100% of your attention, which we don't do very often, do we? And the second C right. is commitment. Because it requires putting things down, you actually have to make time for it. You know, not the, uh, no, I am listening to you. No, you're sending a text. That's different. You know, partial listening. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. We have to do it a, a lot of the time. It's, I'm not saying it's evil, but it's important to be conscious when we're doing that and conscious when it's appropriate to give somebody 100% of our attention. And by the same token, incidentally, if you've got something really important to say, I'm a great fan of making a contract to do that. So, you know, that would be, do you have five minutes to listen to me? I've got something really important to say, and I really need you to listen. Is that okay? Not now? Okay, when would, when would you have five minutes? Uh, so that kind of contract can really help 
for anybody who finds it hard to get listened to, because uh, you've got a right then to say, no, actually you did say you were going to give me undivided attention. Can you wait and leave that call for now? Uh, so the, that's the second C is commitment. Uh, the third C is compassion, which is all about that validation and understanding where somebody comes from and what they're about. And the fourth C is curiosity, which is that thirst to learn, the humility to think, I don't know everything. I'm not the guru, yeah. the master. I'm learning just as much as anybody else is. And so those four C's, I think, commitment and, uh, um, <laughs> what was the second one? Uh, oh no, compassion. So, Consciousness, consciousness, yeah, commitment, consciousness, compassion. commitment, I listened. compassion, and <laughs> Thank you. You were there and I wasn't. I just had a brain fade there. I was conscious. Own. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Very good. Uh, those four C's really do help okay. to, um, to, to be a great listener and a great uh, builder of relationships. And I imagine in your profession, very powerful indeed. Absolutely. Well, and I think um, just being a human, right, not just in our day job, but at home as well, practicing all of these are so important. Now, I know people are going to want are wanting to know more because this uh, time has flown by and there's we, we've just scratched the surface. So how can people learn more about you? I know they can Google your name and, and pull up those TED Talks, but is there like a, a couple of websites or a website you'd like people to go to? Oh, yes. Anything corporate, uh, the sound agency is there to help businesses who want to listen better or make better sound. So that's the soundagency.com. Uh, anything to do with speaking and listening, oh, that's my personal website, which is juliantreasure.com. So nice and easy to remember. And there's some nice goodies on there uh, that you can take mm. advantage of, uh, which I think would be quite useful. So see you in either of those two places. Excellent. And we'll make sure that gets put in the episode description so people can just click on the link. Okay, we are at that point in every episode where we ask each guest three rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> They're not too hard. Well, I, maybe they are. They could be the hardest ones we asked today. Some people have given us that feedback. <laughs> so, what is one book? everyone must read and why? Obviously, we need to read yours. But what is one book everyone must read and why? Well, yeah, the, actually, I'm t I've got a new book coming out in 2025, which is going to be called Sound Effects. And I'm so excited about mm. it. Um, it's all about the power of sound and why we need to listen, how we can take responsibility for the sound we make and the sound we consume. And it's got everything from the sound of black holes to mm. the sound of snapping shrimps. I mean, it's it, wonderful, um, hopefully wonderful for everybody. But until that comes out, um, I think I would recommend, given my feelings about the world and the pressure on our time, Indistractable by Nir Eyal. Mm. It's a very, very good book about taking your leave of these mega corporations who are using every trick in the book to, to seize your attention mm. as much as possible through the day so that you can return your attention, your listening to your loved ones and the people you care about and your colleagues at work um, and become a more connected person. I think it's a very, very important book, Indistractable. Awesome. I will add that to my my 
wish list and I will pre-order your book whenever it's available. <laughs> okay. So what is one tool and you can define that however you'd like that you can't live without? Well, absolutely no question whatsoever. It's my MacBook Pro. I'm, I do everything, <laughs> everything on that computer. Um, and yeah. you know, it's how I communicate. It's where I write. It's how I work. Uh, it's how I research. Uh, I would be lost without it. So it's, it's my link to the world really. Yeah. I just switched over to Mac earlier this year and I am in love with all of it. <laughs> okay. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Well, there's a lot of these. I mean, I was thinking in, uh, I'll give you two actually, because my dad always used to say the best is the enemy of the good. And that's really helped me because I can be a bit of a perfectionist and, you know, you can, the old 80, 20 rule often applies, but actually, you know what, I'm going to go back to a very, very, very old, I'm talking about um, thousands of years old piece of advice, which has never been more important than it is now. And that is be here now from Zen Buddhism, mm. because so many people have been duped into this fantasy that happiness is over there. And whether that be in the past or in the future, they live a huge amount of their lives in those two places, which of course don't really exist. The past is memory, the future is expectation, idea, whatever it might be. Uh, happiness only ever exists here and now in this present moment, this is life. Mm. So I think it's very important that we try to be as present as we can be as conscious. And that's really, you know, it's the frame for all of my conversations about speaking and listening. They're all about being more fully present in this moment here now, not looking at social media or talking to people, texting people who are thousands of miles away or whatever it might be, not over there here here with this person, here with yourself, maybe in this moment, that's where life happens. That's where happiness always happens. So being here now, I think there's nothing more important. Mm, I love that. Julian, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to seeing this mm. when it comes out. Mm. And of course, we want to thank our listeners and viewers. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Attend one of our upcoming programs. There are many to choose from. Simply go to dcatd.org and select Chapter Calendar to find out more. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on Volunteer to get started. 